Creating business isn't about doing hashtag all the things. It's about doing the right thing at the right time to create systems for success. Welcome to the Master the Sales Game podcast. Each week, I'll be sharing specific strategies, tactics, and practical know-how from myself and other successful business owners, helping you grow and scale your business. I'm your host, Susan McVeigh, helping you master the sales game and sell with more ease without the sleaze. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now, let's get started. We are down to number five, the top five episode. So we're halfway through our top 10 list. This is episode 76, and it is the key differences between your hot, warm, and cold leads. Like I mentioned before, you really liked learning more about the sales pipeline and how you categorize the the quality of your leads, the quality of your potential customers, so that you know exactly how to interact with them and connect with them in a way that feels authentic and congruent, not only to you, but ultimately for your customer experience, right? So in this particular episode, we talk all about the concept of hot, warm, and cold leads, right? Understanding the concept, understanding who they are and how they behave and how to identify them. And then we connect all the dots together to talk a little bit more about your whole sales funnel approach and really making sure that the customer journey is something that is not automated and robotic to the point that it excludes the humanness and the human touch from your business. So again, If you really feel like this is a concept that you need to dial in, I highly encourage you to go down to the show notes and go and grab a listen to the full episode, episode 76. And dare I say that you would want to go and grab 77 as well, because those two kind of go hand in hand. And with that, I'll let you take it away. Hot, warm, and cold. And we're going to start with hot because... Truthfully, that is usually the smallest percentage of your market. On average, you're going to have about 3% of the total number of people that you are talking to about your products and services that are in this hot category. Hot leads or hot deals are ones that are about to imminently close, meaning that the person that you are speaking to, the person who is in your sales funnel or in your sales process is ready to buy. It is imminent. It is like a done deal. Now, back from my corporate days, nothing was a done deal until we had signed documents like a signature on the dotted line. So it really is going to depend on how your company, how your business decides, designate what hot leads are. But by and large, by industry standards, if you're hearing us talk about hot leads, it is because that person is ready to buy. They are about to pull the trigger. Now, again, only about 3% of your entire market is in this category. And that means the other 97% are sitting in, you guessed it, warm or cold warm or cold. So we're going to talk about uh, the actual marketing processes that need to follow in line with each of these three different types of leads. We'll talk about that in another episode because I want to keep this fairly short, fairly tight, really, really concise to really helping you understand the difference between what a hot lead is, what a warm lead is, and what a cold lead is. So Thinking about that, a hot lead is somebody who has expressed interest, and and this is not about how long it takes, because some people will come into your ecosystem already ready and willing to buy. They are actively seeking for a solution that will solve the problem that they are struggling with. And so don't mistake the fact that somebody is hot, meaning that they have been around you for a long time. In fact, I have somebody go from just knowing about me to purchasing a high ticket, a premium service with me within, I think the shortest amount of time that I've had right now is four days. It's four days from never having heard about me. They didn't even know me from boo to signing up and becoming a VIP consulting client. Now, why was that? Because they were ready to buy. They desperately were already seeking the solution. So usually these folks are problem aware, they are solution aware, and they are uh, product aware, right? Meaning that the, the exact thing that you offer is something that they are already committed to and saying yes to. 
So when we have all three of those crossed off, so problem aware, solution aware, and product aware, okay, and I'm using product interchangeably with service, so it's the exact thing that you're selling, then those people are the ones that are most likely to say yes, or they have already said yes, and you're just waiting for the final com components of the engagement, the commitment, the contract, the agreement, whatever it is in order to get them to cross over to becoming the final paying customer, okay? So hot, again, they're ready and willing to buy. They have the ability to pay you. Warm then is somebody who typically is gonna fall in the largest bucket that we actually care about as business owners, as sales professionals. Your warm category are people who now know about you. They know who you are. They think that you might have an answer for them, but they're not yet ready to buy. Now, this could be for a number of reasons, but the most common is just that they are maybe not even aware that they have a problem that you can solve in the first place, or they're just not ready to pull the trigger, meaning that there's a timing issue, there's a money issue, there may be a, a priority issue, like some, something else is going on in their life, in their business, in their health, in their wealth, in their relationships. So whatever the area of focus is for you, that prevents them be, from being able to easily say yes right here and right now. Okay. And so I want you to inc be encouraged to know that just because people are not yet ready to buy, that's not a bad thing. Okay. In fact, the, remember 3% are hot. So the bulk are going to fall into this warm or cold category and warm is better than cold. Warm is better than cold because warm people have self-identified in some way they have said, I'm interested. So you don't have to feel like you're chasing after them. They have somewhere in your sales process put up their hand. So when clients come to me complaining that they feel like they're chasing after people, it's usually because you're going after the wrong lead. You're going after cold leads instead of this warm market. So how do you identify people who are in the warm market? Well, essentially, they are starting to engage with you or follow you or join your email list, right? So they're following you on social media. They're engaging with your content. They're reaching out to you in some way. They're sending you messages or emails. They have joined your email list. They have opted in for the things that you are producing and putting out there. Yes, this is even for our content uh, or our product specific markets. So when people are subscribed, when they have opted in to, for communication to stay connected to you, it means that they have self-identified and as a result, they are now part of your warm leads, your warm market, the people who have said, I want to hear from you. And guess what ends up happening? Too often, we have these warm people, and we're constantly looking for more and more and more people. But we actually haven't talked to the people who are in our warm leads category. So what I want you to consider is that the, the thing that we need to do with our warm leads is just remember that they have volunteered. They have put up their hand to say, I wanna hear from you. I am interested in you or your product or your service. I may have the problem that I think you can solve. And so if that's the case, it is incumbent upon us as the expert to engage with them, to communicate with them, to again, remember that these three categories of leads, we are trying to identify the next 3% that will come out of that warm pool or the cold pool, but really truly it's coming from our warm market and to say who's ready to buy. And when you are ready to buy, when you are problem aware, solution aware and product aware that you choose to do business with me, not with my competitor and not with somebody else because they have done a better job of servicing you, of communicating with you, of being able to stay connected to you. And I'm going to tell you that from my days back in corporate, just this simple way, and we'll, we'll dive in deeper in an upcoming episode, I promise you, but just staying connected with folks who were in my warm market, I had people that as soon as something came up, they would call me, they would email me and say, okay, Susan, we're ready. Let's do it. And it wasn't because I was trying to sell them. It was because I stayed consistent and recognized that they weren't just dead to me because they didn't decide to buy within seven days of meeting me. It was because I knew that this game of business and really mastering the sales game is about the long game. It is about a marathon and not just a sprint. And yes, we can have quick bursts, right? We can have quick 
outbursts of sales. Uh, I, uh, I wanted to give a shout out um, because one of my clients just shared with me that he had, has had the most amazing start to 2021. So depending on when you're listening to this, this was recorded uh, closer to the, the beginning of 2021. And already within just a few short days into the month, he is already on track to exceed what he would normally have done in uh, 2020. So his year over year growth has been tremendous. And again, he is in a marathon, but he also has these short bursts of accelerated growth, accelerated sales. And he has seen, gosh, I think it's multiple six figure growth, uh, multiple six figure sales, and a huge amount of growth from the year before to this year in hours, in days, right? But that was not because he did it overnight. It was because he has remained consistent to servicing and serving his community. And that has happened the entire time that he's been in business. It's been for years now, right? It's been for years and it's been built off of skills that he has taken the time to create and cultivate now for well over a decade. And so I want to encourage you and help you to just stay steadfast and remain committed to the fact that these are people that have put up their hand to say, I want to build a relationship with you and I want to stay connected to you. So don't be afraid to make sure that you encourage and nudge them over into that hat, the hot category when the time is appropriate for them. Okay, so episode number 79 makes the list with number four. So it is our top four episode of our top 10 list. Side note, if you know that you need any help whatsoever with any of the topics that we've talked about, or really, you know, more support and more help with your entire end-to-end sales process and making more sales effortlessly, I highly encourage you to come and take a look at our inner circle at salesmasterysociety.com. The link will be in the show notes for you below because I don't want you to continue to struggle to see the kinds of results that you want to see moving forward into the end of the year and the next year. It does not have to be difficult. You just need to follow a framework, a methodology, and understand how the rules of business, and more importantly, how the rules of sales actually works for you and your business. And you get to call the rules, but you need to understand how the game is set up. So come and check us out, salesmasterysociety.com. Would love to see you in there. Now, episode 79, which made our top four, is all about the number one reason why you don't see the results that you're actually looking for. And it may be surprising to you to learn exactly what this is, right? The number one reason. So I share with you what that is. I tell you that it's not about the strategy. um, And I want you to know that you're not alone in this because I see clients feeling flat, and falling short of where they want to be. And I don't want that to happen to you. So we're talking all about this inside of this episode. And again, if you want to take a listen to the entire thing, or any of the episodes that have made it this far on our top 10 list, I highly encourage you to go and grab a look at the show notes and click on the links for each of the individual episodes and take a further listen. If you are not regularly selling in your business and activating the offers that you have, inviting people into working with you, then of course you're not going to see as many results as somebody who is putting that out more frequently. But I will tell you that the, the biggest reason why you are not seeing results, number one, is you're just not selling it as, as often enough. So this comes down to how much time you are spending on the things that are going to generate results, meaning that oftentimes the thing that we think we need to do, we only do it once and then it's done. So we only promote once or we only sell once or we only launch once. And then when we wonder why haven't I seen the results that I'm waiting on, it's not because what you decided on the strategy or the tactic doesn't work. In fact, it does work. It just means that you haven't done it enough times for you to know if it's going to work for you. So sometimes it's a a matter of timing. Sometimes it's a matter of time in doing something. So my background is in finance, right? In the financial services market where the stock market fluctuates. It goes up and down and all, all the way around, right? 
And one of the cardinal rules of investing is that you don't time the market. You don't time the market because most people, even Warren Buffett, it's very difficult for you to time the market, meaning you are watching it so closely that you know this is the exact moment when you need to buy and sell. And guess what? That same principle applies for you in your business. So the number one reason why you're not seeing the kind of results that you want is not because you are doing the wrong strategy. It's not because you're using webinars when you should be speaking on stage. Although I will say it does influence, but there's a million different ways to make money, especially today, that the strategy, the tactic, the actions, there really is nothing wrong with any of the stuff that you're doing right now. The biggest reason why I see clients falling flat and falling short of the actual result and the goal that they want to hit is simply because they haven't done it enough times. I'm going to say that again. It's simply because they haven't done it enough times. So I had shared with my clients because I have a client right now who is uh, at the time of this recording, she has just launched a brand new course. Now she has had people asking for this course, the content of the course for the last goodness, at least six months, right? At least six months. So she has a captive audience. She has people who are ready and willing. They've seen her journey. They've seen her transformation and they want what she's got. And so she has got an engaged audience. She's got a waiting list that we set up. She has the course ready to go and it's going to sell like gangbusters, but we have already prepared because this is going to be a million dollar course. We are in it to win it. This is going to be a marathon and there will be moments of sprinting, but right now we don't need to go full out one shot and have the whole shebang happen overnight. We know that she's going to be able to keep going and keep going and keep going. And that means that she has to go up to bat over and over and over and over again, which means that she needs to launch or put this course out to market over and over and over and over again. So part of this is going to be the amount of time that she has in the market, meaning how often are people being exposed to her course? How often are people being invited to purchase from her? How often are people being um, engaged with such that they go, yeah, I wanna buy this thing and they decide that it is the appropriate program for them. The other piece is that sometimes it's just a matter of timing because how often have you wanted to buy something and it's just not the right time, right? Maybe there's something going on in your personal life. You're about to go on vacation. Hello, pre-COVID. Uh, or you just have too many things going on on your plate and you know to add one more thing is really not going to, to serve you justice, right? It's, it's not going to be of benefit. And so you know that when you are able to put that back on your plate, you can go in a thousand percent and it's going to be well worth the wait. So sometimes it's a matter of timing and we need to make sure that if we have an opportunity to let people know, hey, maybe not this time, but maybe it's next year. So whether you launch once, twice, three times, four times or more in a year, it really doesn't matter because if that, if that exact thing that you offer serves a specific need for your ideal clients, then they will wait so that the next time you, you keep building and building and building and getting better and better and better. And that's really what mastery is all about. And instead of flip-flopping and saying, oh, that didn't work. And now I need to try something completely different and build a completely different mousetrap that instead, what if the thing that you built is actually amazing? It's perfect. It's exactly the thing that your audience needs, but it was the wrong timing for them. You just simply didn't give them enough time to decide. Maybe you just needed to give yourself a bigger runway, right? Like imagine if you had a year to prepare, a year to promote, a year to share, a year to build up that excitement and anticipation, like that is huge. And I'm not saying that you have to do a whole year, but what I am saying is that what if you could just keep repeating what you're already doing that's working well and just do it more, just do it more often, just do it more. <laughs> And that's what I want to leave you with today. Oh my goodness. I feel like I should have had a blowhorn or a trumpet or something ready to go for these last three episodes that have made it to our top 10 list. So this is number three and it comes by way of episode 
80. It is all about how to use clarity to be more connected with yourself and improve your business at the same time. And it features another guest expert, amazing Gigi Burke, who is a dear client as well. And I just loved being able to spend this time with Gigi and sharing with you, you know, what it takes to actually get clarity. Because I think too often we're chasing after strategies and tactics. And while those are important and everything is well and good, at the same time, if we have skipped a foundational step, which clarity is really where we all need to begin, then there is no way that you're going to be able to sell well. So we share a little bit about Gigi's background, how she's been able to sell well, the top three constraints that tend to keep us stuck instead of clear, and what you can start doing about that in order to get more clarity and move in the path of clarity. Why sales is 80% mindset, and then what we can do if we're looking to enhance our individual performance. I can't wait for you to sit with me and Gigi as we're talking about this super important topic. I always say, uh, if you are a living breathing human being and you have a heart and you have a heart to help others, you have everything that you need in order to be able to sell well, right? I mean, yes, there is a strategy and a methodology and just behaviors that you can improve upon. But at the, at the core of it, we don't like none of us comes out of the womb, like buy my thing. It's <laughs> that would freak out most mothers, right? <laughs> but at the end of the day, if you really want to serve people, if you can lead conversations, if you can be a leader in your own business, then you have everything that you need in order to be able to sell. And I think as long as you're clear on the value that you provide, and I love that we're going to talk more about, you know, clarity and really making sure that things don't feel stuck for us. Cause I, I love the fact that you shared that's where that's where you felt in your business, right? And so regardless of, of where you are right now in your own business, just know that it is possible for you without having to push because none of the work that we've done has really been about mm-hmm. kind of barreling through or just push your way through or think your way out of this or or the opposite, you know, just sit and pray and do these affirmations, Gigi, and all of a sudden you're going to turn into a rock star uh, salesperson. And I'll share a secret. Neither of those approaches work. <laughs> It doesn't. It may appear. And, you know, some people, maybe in the short term, it might appear to work, but it's not sustainable. Even if you had some success with it, it's not sustainable. So, you know, I was really stuck between those two points. I'm like, no, this push, 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 or just sit back, like you said, and okay, let me just pray and stay open and let me the law of attraction, let me stay open and let it come. And I'm like, no, I already knew that neither of those were working. So I had to find the medium that would work best for me. And most important to me is I want to be able to sleep well at night. That is, that's just who I am. So if it doesn't feel right for me, I am not going to do it. I mean, that, that is my that is, that is, I have my limits. And as much as I would love to work with someone or I would want someone to purchase something from me, not under those circumstances, because I have to sleep well at night. A hundred percent, right? It's all about doing this with integrity. So walk us forward. What does it mean for you to be able to master the sales game? You know, for me, the term mastery, it means just being able to, you know, yes, it's a game. But it's really more just being able to connect with people. It's an art form to me, being able to connect with people and to master the sales game. You're, in fact, not really selling at all, because if you're doing all the other stuff right, you really don't have to sell. Um, For example, you know, when I finally, finally, finally made my first sale ever I didn't even have, I didn't even pitch. None of that happened. It was a conversation and it was finding out more about her, my client. And before I didn't even have to say, well, I have this offer. It was, how do I work with you? And from there, she was like, okay, send me the payment link. And at first, yeah, I almost did that thing and talked myself, talked. I was like, because at first you can't believe that someone's saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Send me the payment link. I want to work with you. 
And I said, well, let me make sure that she's really right for this. But she was. But part of that that came up was like, oh, shoot, did that really just happen? Did someone really just say, <laughs> oh, my gosh, I will pay you what you no price haggling, no nothing. I said, this is my price. OK. And it was what that this really just happened to me. Yeah, it really did. And sent the payment link. She went ahead and paid. And then. <laughs> you know, we got started, but it was, wow, that feeling of, and it was no, it was no sales. It was sales, but it wasn't sales is the best way I can say that in terms of mastering the sales game. So being able to really, truly just find out what it is that people, you know, what is it that they really want? What is it that they need? And being okay with saying, no, I don't think I'm the best person, or this isn't the best offer. Um, Gigi, would you say that doing these pieces, right? Because we talked about the three biggest constraints, the things that tend mm-hmm. to keep us stuck and preventing us from moving forward with clarity. We've talked about, you know, how do we how do we start to get that ball rolling? If especially if we we're feeling really really stuckness in our body. Um, uh-huh. So, what would you suggest for us in order to start moving in the path of clarity? Like, let's say I, right now I have taken so, some of those steps. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, my inner knowing, like the, the wisdom's just not coming. And I, I still feel like I'm searching for that, that bit of clarity that feels like right now, it would be the kind of the magic bullet. And, and okay. we know that that's not the case. But right now, it, it, I'm searching for this thing. I really am trying to get more clear. What's one thing that you could recommend that would be helpful for me to kind of get over the hump, to get turn around the corner? Yeah. So one thing is, you know, we tend to be unidirectional in how we mm. approach clarity. And that's, you can jump in, jump in. And by that, I mean, you don't, maybe you don't know what the problem is that you solve, but maybe, you know, okay, I like art. Maybe you don't know what you want to do with art yet, but you know you like art. You don't know how that looks, but you know this is what you like. Start right there. Maybe you know you like working with kids. You don't know what you want to do with them. I'm sure parents will very much appreciate you. <laughs> um, you don't know what you want to do with them, but you know you like working with kids. So with that, it does not have to be, because this is another thing that I see a lot, and I've been a victim of it too, is the frameworks to get clarity. There's so many different frameworks and each person has, you know, their own framework for helping people. And none of that is inherently bad. All of that can be helpful. But what tends to happen is people get so stuck. Oh my God, I've got to do it this way. I've got to do it this way. For example, when I first started out and one of the coaches that I was working with, she had a very specific process for helping people to get clear. Well, I came up with what I wanted to work with, but the feedback to me was, okay, yeah, this is good, but you didn't use my framework to figure that out. And I thought, wait, wait, but you just acknowledged that, (laughs) yeah, you understood, but because I didn't use that specific process, and that's when I said, whoa, if you don't know what the problem is, if you don't know who the person is, or if you don't even know, you know, what the solution is yet, that's okay. Just start with, I know I like art, or I know I like kids. Where do you want to go from there? And then use that as a springboard and then start talking to people about it. And another thing is you don't have to wait until you have all this data to begin to move. It's what I like to, you know, it's a term from, uh, you know, adult learning. It's called action research, action learning. You learn and you do. So you're collecting information at the same time as you're doing stuff. That's another mistake I see people make with getting clarity. For example, with market research, yes, it's important, but you don't have to wait until you've talked to all 28 people before you move. If you start seeing something or something comes up, yes, start working with it sooner. Yes, right? Because I think this is where I love this. And I love what you just shared there. And, and guys, if you are struggling with this, Gigi has an amazing resource. It'll be linked up in the show notes for you below, where you can get um where you can actually figure out how to create clarity, right? So it, it's going to be a, a, a resource. Gigi will tell us about that in just a second here. But I mean, I had a client who was working with me and she 
really was feeling very stuck. And I had suggested to her, which I will say that she wasn't quite ready to, uh, I don't feel like I can quite do this yet, but she, she loves art. She's an artist and, and I am so thrilled for her. So Hazel, if you're listening to this, Hazel, I'm giving you a shout out right now because she has been, she's taken the plunge. She finally took the leap of faith and said, to the heck with it. I am just going to do what I love and bring people along the journey. And that's what I had encouraged her to do uh, quite some time ago. And she finally pulled the trigger and said, life is too short. I am going to do the thing already. And so she's been painting these amazing, beautiful, brilliant paintings. And they have been selling like hotcakes. Like people have been able to open up a little bit of hazel wow. to put on their walls. She is thrilled they are thrilled. She gets to be paid doing what she really loves, sharing a gift that God has provided to her that she just is over the moon about. And I think this is where what your advice to us has been super helpful, right? Like, yes, there's this woo-woo emotional piece, which is very important. And guys, sales is 80% mindset. Because I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of strategic and tactical stuff that I share on, on the show, right? At the end of the day, I can't force you to do anything that you don't want to do, that you don't believe that you can do, that you don't know and understand would be a benefit for you. And a lot of times it's because there's a disbelief around around clarity and or that there is this like clunkiness, even if you are clear. And so I love that you just share that with us, Gigi. Jump in. Don't wait until you have all the data, because here's the thing, even for science, scientists, I have a client who's a scientist background right now. And, and I said, at some point, you just got to call it right. At some point, you just have you to do. say, that's enough. It's that's enough. enough is enough. <laughs> and, you know, coming from a research background, we call that saturation. Yes. And you'll, you know, but I know, particularly when I was working on research, I didn't even wait to get saturated because a theme hit as I was as <laughs> researching. And I thought, this is it. And my entire, and that's another thing. If you're looking for the answers, I got so excited and so lit up and the energy and the passion was so there. I was like, this is it. This is it. Okay. And, and then what do I need to do with this? So I still continue to collect data, but there is a point where, you know, even as you're, you know, trying to get clarity, trying to figure out, you will see similar questions, the same things coming up over and over again, you'll get saturated with it. So yeah. you don't want to wait until you get saturated. If something resonates and it really clicks, go for it right then and there. And if it works, great. If it doesn't work, all it means is that it didn't work. Drum roll, please. Okay, we are on number two. We are getting so close to the top episode of 2021. So number two that made the list is episode 75. And it's how to create mental market share and start selling in a new authentic way. I am not surprised that this episode with my dear friend, Anthony Camacho, he was the guest that came on to share some very specific strategies with us. And it was all about sales going head to head. And I had such a thrill having this conversation with him. So we talked about why people think sales is a dirty word, right? Why it turns off so many people even today and how we can shift that, how to be a good sales professional, which right now, side note, if you are doing any kind of selling in your business, that's what you are. You are a professional and you are a sales professional. And how do we distinguish between those are, who are average or mediocre and those who are excellent? How to create mental market share, which is Anthony's specific framework of how he wants us to think about sales and really doing well with that particular activity in our business and how to get people to say yes to themselves. All of this and so much more. This was a meaty episode. I highly encourage you to take a listen to the entire thing, but let's listen in onto the conversation that Anthony and I had. So I want you to help us unpack, right? Why do people think sales is a dirty word? Like we're talking about it out in the open right now, but why is it something that so many uh, business owners and sales professionals, uh, why does it make us feel dirty? <laughs> <laughs> 
I think because there's just this stigma about the word, the word and salespeople, they're pushy, they're sleazy, you know, they're manipulative, you know, you get that really bad, you know, used car salesman, insurance salesman, you know, and it's kind of like unfair <laughs> because um, that's kind of like the old way of selling, you know, and I, you can't blame the way that people may look at sales today because there was a, I believe, a time in history where that kind of was the deal, where people were sleazy, pushy, you know, just like over the top, you know, trying to manipulate, you know, and it's like, that's like the old way of selling, you know, that's like old school, old school, old school, you know, and uh, it's all about new age selling, you know, new age selling coming from a, a, a different mind space, a different heart space, and coming from a place of authenticity, and genuineness to help your current customers and also to help uh, your prospects, you know, to, to make them customers. Um, and that's where that, that new age selling comes in is in order to be a good sales professional, you have to remove yourself from the equation. It's not about you. It's about the customer. And you have to be able to align the problem the customer has with our product and make sure that it's a, it, it meets in the middle for a solution. The other thing is if you take away that preconceived notion of, oh, I don't want to sell them this. I don't want to sell them that. I, I'm going to seem too pushy. No, remove yourself, remove your ego from that equation. It is our job as salespeople, as good people to share with our customer every single product that we have because that's good customer service. The more information that you give your prospect, the better decision that they can make. If you're making decisions for them already, you don't even know. It's like, well, I don't know if they're gonna buy it. I don't know if they could afford it. I don't know this and I don't, you're answering your own question. Exactly, you don't know, you're guessing. So do not, do not let your paycheck be held ransom to guessing. Don't let your paycheck be ransomed to not knowing your closing ratio. Don't let your paycheck be ransomed to not, um, not talking to new people every month. I love what you just said there, Anthony, around don't let your paycheck be held ransom. And I think sometimes as entrepreneurs, especially, it can be a struggle, right, to, to not have that reliable income when you don't yeah. know yeah. whether or not a client is going to say yes and you're kind of held at mercy to that conversation, like, please, please just say yes. And it can sometimes make us do things that aren't always congruent to our integrity and our values and, and ultimately to the client. I love what you said around making sure that you know your closing ratio. It is a super important metric. And so guys, hint, you know, we always put in stuff for you to take action. If right now you are not tracking anything in your business, because Anthony just walked you through, like, these are the different components that could lead into your closing ratio. You want to look at how many people are saying yes to your products and services right now. And if we back that up all the way to, well, how many people did you actually talk to in the first place in order to get that yes and really isolate that data so that you can make some decisions, like data-based decisions, not based on I'm having a bad day or I have four hours to spend on my business. And so what should I do? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you have some real things that you need to do. I think you should be adding value every single time that you talk to somebody. Um, what are your thoughts and, and how would you want us to do our follow-up? Um, well, there, there's one thing that I, that I've kind of coined the phrase, it's uh, create mental market share. Okay. Wow. And that's creating mental market share is sounds exactly what it means. It's, it sounds exactly how it sounds, which is mental market share, mental occupying space in my mind. Right. So how do you yeah. do that? You create touch points. So that's why a follow-up tracker, whether you write it or whether you do it digitally, it doesn't matter but you want to create mental market share in a person's mind. So they become familiar with you, you build rapport. And then they're going to ask your, eventually they'll ask themselves, why am I not doing business with Anthony Camacho? You know, he's, 
I see him, he's a nice guy, he follows up, you know, light touch points. So let's talk about what those touch points could mean. There are so many non-aggressive touch points that mm. we all could utilize, that I utilize and that I teach. So basically Monday, right? If you want to send an email or text message or voice, hey, Susan, how you doing? This is Anthony Camacho. Um, I just want to let you know, I haven't forgot about you. I just want to wish you a happy work week. Okay. Simple, happy work week. And then whatever you talked about, whatever you, if you want to just drop that in there, you know, um, Friday, Hey, how you doing, Susan? This is Anthony Camacho. Um, it's Friday. I just wanted to wish you and your family a, a happy weekend. Right. So you have that. Then you have, um, this is amazing. Um, every single month there's a holiday, right? So in the United States, there's Thanksgiving coming up, right? Yeah. So you can touch base and follow up with everybody. Hey, hey, Anthony Camacho just wanted to wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. That's it. You, it, it, um, So these are kind of like the different touch points that you're going to be mixing in. They already know why you're calling them. They already know which you had to talk about. If you had that sales conversation, you know, and then they're just, you're just following up. So every single month, there's an opportunity to wish someone you know, a holiday greeting. So next, next month is Christmas, right? Merry Christmas. Um, then we have New Year's, Happy New Year. Then in January, then we have um, Happy Valentine's Day. So every single month, there is an opportunity to create that mental market share, to create that touch point where it's not aggressive. How can you be mad at any, how can anyone get mad at you when you're just saying, hey, I just wanted to wish you, your family and your business a very happy new year and a, and a blessed 2021. You exactly. Know? So there's all these different touch points you can make non-aggressive, but just your, your being top of mind, right? And there's, mm -hmm. there's uh, it, it's just a nice subtle way to say hello and, and hey, we're, we're thinking about you if you need anything. So that goes into the category of um, if you need to touch base with somebody you know, once a week, you use the beginning of the week or the end of the week to wish them a happy week or happy weekend. If it is monthly, you can always touch tag in with the holiday. And then mm -hmm. if they're quarterly follow-ups, then you can utilize whatever holiday is going to fall at the end of the quarter or mid quarter or beginning of the quarter. So it's completely up to you. I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about, you know, how do we translate these referrals um, and more business? Because I think sometimes we take for granted. I know a lot of clients come to me because they have said, Oh, I, I got a referral and it didn't close. It's like, just because somebody gives you a referral doesn't mean that it's a cakewalk. You still, you still have to do the due diligence to move them through your process. And I know that you have a very specific way that you teach people on how to close. And I use air quotes for that, because, you know, really, we, we want to help people make a decision. We want to get people to say yes to themselves if it's the right call for them, but ultimately to close them into the next step. And it could be no, that's totally okay. But how do we encourage people to, to do that? Can you walk us through a little bit of what your coach to close process looks like and why it's so impactful for folks that actually will uh, implement it? Right, right. So um, another thing that I coined, another co uh, coined <laughs> phrase is the coach to close. Now, what does that mean? If you look at today, there's a lot of people out there that are coaches, right? But what does a coach do? A coach is a, is a person in your life that helps you make good decisions. A coach um, encourages you. A coach looks out for your best interests. So part of my new age selling is I coach to close. So everyone, you take your salesman hat off, the dirty word of being a salesman, ah, sleazy, greasy, you know, sales guy, right? And put, put your coaching hat on. And what does that mean? It's like, you can actually take a breath. <sighs> I don't have to be the stigma of whatever you think a bad salesperson is. No, put your coaching hat on. And so again, a coach is a person that empowers a coach is a person that encourages and helps whoever they're coaching make a good decision. And if you've ever been a coach, if you've ever been on a coaching call, the coach never makes the decision for the person. In fact, well, that's what a good coach does. A good coach isn't there to tell you what to do. A good coach is a person that lays down all the evidence 
And based upon all that evidence and grabbing all that information, then that person who's getting the coaching can make a good, solid, congruent decision. Mm-hmm. And so that's what a sales professional is supposed to be doing. When you're presenting your product, your program, or your service, you need to put your coaching hat on and see how you can get, uh, gather all the information and line up the product, program, or service, whatever you're selling. So the coach to close, right? That's what I call it. So the first step is identify what is their current situation? Where are they currently at with their business or with their problem? The second thing to identify is where do they want to be? What is the desirables? Where do they want to be in comparison to their current situation? Then the third thing is what is it that is holding them back? What person, place, or thing is holding them back from their desired situation. So as a coach, you want to understand, okay, this is where they're at. This is where they want to be. And this is in the middle that's keeping them from getting to that point. In order for you to have a greater understanding to help them, you need to be able to go through this process. Then the fourth thing you want to ask them, if you had your desirable situation, your problem solved, what reward would that be? What would that look like to you? So the fourth thing, again, what's the reward for them to attain what they're looking for? They may tell you, I may get uh, peace of mind, save money, make money, et cetera. Quicker, faster, easier. Identify those things. It's also important in that coach to close process to get them to admit how their life is going to be better easier for themselves, for their employees, for their family, because it's powerful. That's when the the self-close comes in is because now they're acknowledging if I had my desirable situation, because my current situation isn't where I want to be. I want to go to my desired situation. Then that's where the magic happens because they're admitting it to you. They're speaking it. You're hearing it. They're hearing it. And that now becomes a reality by speaking it into existence. Once you've gathered that information, the fifth step is to align what you offer, whatever it is, your product, program, or service. You then align it with the solution, the current situation. Then after that, you let them ask you, you let them ask you, how do I work with you and how much does it cost? So in that coach to close situation, in my coach to close process, if they ask, well, how much does it cost? I have costs. I have many different costs, many different products, programs, services that I can offer you. I said, but until I take you through this coach to close, I don't tell them it's a coach to close, by the way. But until I take you, um, I'm telling you in the audience, until I take them through the coach to close, never mention price point, not once. You know why? Because then they turn it just into a price buyer and you don't want to deal with the price buyer. You don't want them to buy on price. You want them to buy on their need. You want them to buy on their solution. You want them to buy their solution. And if you can show that to a person and mirror that to a person, they will pay money for that. You can't put a price on what a person wants. And let me prove that to you. A lot of people buy things that they can't afford. A lot of people have credit card debt. Why? Why do people have credit card debt? because they buy things that they want, right? Even when they don't have the money, they still buy it anyways. Now, I'm not encouraging for you to sell things that people don't need. I'm just trying to make a point that when you sell to a person's need and want and solution, then that's how you're going to close the deal or have a greater percentage of closing that deal. So then at the end, you let them, you, you basically share with them what product is going to so, uh, solve their problem. Then you're going to, then they're, you let them ask you, well, how much does it cost? How do you deliver it? Well, I deliver it at this price point. I have different options for you to pay to, you know, you can do a two payment, three payment, one payment, whatever, you know, however you run your business. 
and then you let them know how it's how it how the deliverables are over X amount of time. Um, and that could be how I mean, it doesn't matter what type of business that you're in. You know what type of business that you're in, and you can figure out you know it. But it's so important how you share the deliverables. But that's the coach to close, and you and in the coach to close, you take off that that salesman hat. And I don't want you to be concerned with, I got to close a deal. I got to close a deal. It's not even about you. It's not about you. It's about them. And once you start making your sales about the other person, about your customers, you will be pleasantly surprised how many more deals that you're going to close because you removed yourself from the equation and now you're a coach. Okay. I'm feeling a little bit nervous sharing this talk episode with you from 2021. I don't even know why. Um, but this episode, you again, you voted, you voted with your listen, with your subscribe, with your reviews, with your download. And this is the one that made the top 10 list. So number one of the entire year was episode 81. Five strategies to get more clients, even with a tiny audience or following. I can't say that I'm entirely surprised because my story is exactly this. I mean, I know that we all start from scratch. We all start from zero, but I defied the odds with my conversion rates because I had no idea what the benchmarks were. And I think sometimes when we start to understand what is possible or more likely what's impossible for others, it can limit us. And because I had no concept of what was possible, or more importantly, what wasn't possible for me starting in the online space, when I started to see conversion numbers of, you know, 18, 23, 28, 43% from doing some of my sales strategies, I had no concept that that was unusual, unique, or unheard of, even with a really tiny audience. And so I wanted to share this one with you. It came straight from my heart. And I'm so glad that you selected this as the number one episode for the entire 21, uh, 2021, because I think it's really important for us to really honor the space of where we are, honor where we come from, and not to despise our small beginnings. I think no matter how big or how small your audience is, being able to serve your potential clients as if they are one in a million and the only one that you're here to help in that moment, because truly they are, right? I know that for you listening right now, that me being able to help you and for you spending this time with me, I don't take that lightly. And I dearly appreciate whether you've been with me for five minutes, whether you've been a loyal podcast listener the entire time since episode number one, or you literally just found me that no matter where we have started on our journey together, that it is a privilege for me to serve you and to help you in whatever way that I can along your journey. And I want you to remember that this is the same for you and your ideal clients, no matter how big they currently are. So we are grabbing all of these top five strategies and sharing them with you in like a super cold note version, uh, highlight reel. I highly encourage you to go and take a listen to the full episode as well. Again, it's episode 81, five strategies to get more clients, even with a tiny list, audience, or following. And it is the exact ways that I have been able to create and cultivate raving fans, loyal clients that buy time and time again, even with a audience and list that defies the odds and continues to defy the odds. And I can't wait for you to dive into this episode take it away. So this one's a doozy. You're going to want to grab your paper and your pen because we are diving straight on in. Now, the number one question that I get asked is, Susan, where do I get more clients? Susan, how do I get more clients? Uh, in case you heard a theme here, it's where do I get more clients? Now, regardless of how many people you may already have in your audience or your list, 
I think sometimes we forget about the basics of what actually drives our clients to wanting to work with us in the first place. So whether you have a tiny list, a tiny audience, maybe less than 100 followers or 100 people on your email list, or whether you have 10,000 people on your email list or social media following and everything in between, this is going to be effective for you regardless because we miss the basic principles of why people buy and how we connect to one another, which I think is a lot easier to get caught up in this, especially nowadays, because there's just so much access to information. So the very first thing that I want you to think about in getting more clients is asking for referrals. Now, I know that a lot of folks think that they have a really good referral process in place, but when I ask them, there is some room for improvement. So when I did this, this, this was the very first marketing campaign that I ran in order to build that offline business to 15 million. The vast majority of our clients came from referrals. We used external partners and internal partners. And what I mean by that is internal partners are people who already work inside the business. Now, at this point, I was an entrepreneur. I was building this business for somebody else. I was doing this inside of my corporate career, but I was building a business from scratch. And there were other people inside of the organization that could help me, that could refer clients to me. And so I used them as referral partners. I also had external people that could refer clients to me. External partners, what the heck does that mean? Well, external partners are people outside of the business organization, meaning for me, it was centers of influence, people in the community, other business leaders. So I looked to the mayor, I looked to our uh, lawyers, doctors, uh, accountants, realtors. I looked at folks who might have similar people in their audience that I would be able to say, could you refer some clients to me? Could we sit down and become referral partners? And I'm going to tell you that 50% of our uh, actions, our activities, and our clients ended up coming from referrals. Now, here's what I want you to know. Not every single referral partner is built the same. This requires uh, you to be dedicated. It requires you to build a relationship. It also requires you to hold people accountable and to have regular conversations and discussions. If this is an area that you want to use as part of your business model, then you can't just be haphazard about it. You can't just be uh, very responsive. You can't just let it ride in their court because I'm going to tell you that people are busy and unless you make it a priority for them, unless you make it a win-win-win, meaning a win for you, a win for them, and a win for the people that you are working together with, then it's a lot easier for them to just simply forget about it. My best referral partners would send us regular referrals. We're talking about easily one referral a week at least. And I want you to understand that if you have the ability to have somebody sending you a client every single day or every single week or every single month, whatever that looks like for you, how much could that impact your business? If it could impact it a lot, I want you to consider adding this in as part of your regular routine and a regular strategy in order to help you to get even more clients, especially right now. Number two is networking. Now, here's what I want you to understand. I am an introvert. I really don't like schmoozing and talking to a lot of people for no purpose whatsoever. I pick the networking events that I go to, whether it's virtual or in person. Now, right now, at the time of this recording, it's February of 2021. There's not a heck of a lot of in-person things going on, but depending on where you are in the world, if there are still things going on face-to-face -face in your local communities, I will highly recommend it especially if you are a local based business. Now, if you are able to do things more virtually, then you can expand what your networking opportunities might look like. However, do not simply throw spaghetti against the wall because this is where you're going to get burnt out by doing too many things at the same time and have very little to show for it. Now, I'm going to tell you again, building that massive business, I did a lot of networking events. We tried everything. And we narrowed it down very quickly because we identified the key relationships that we were building 
outside of these networking events from meeting them at certain places that these were the areas that we wanted to focus on. So you will have some trial and error, but I will recommend that once you have something that makes sense for you, just put it on autopilot where every single time that they have that networking event going on, that you have it scheduled already into your calendar. I live and die by my calendar, meaning that if it's not on there, it's not going to get done. And I am assuming that you are very similar. So if you keep making plans to go to a specific networking event that you have been meaning to go to, but it never happens, why is that? Is it really important to you? Now, again, I'd say about 25% of the business results that I've seen in the past have come directly related to networking. And I want you to understand that networking can be a very lucrative part of how you can get clients. Now, there is no shortage of places to go and search for networking events. In fact, if you were to Google this right now, I'm going to guess that you're going to find at least three pages worth, at least. The last time I did this, I actually found like 10 or more. You can search by keywords. You can search by your industry. You can search by association. You can search by your niche. You can search by gender. You can search by your location. There are so many different ways that you can search in order to find the networking events that make the most sense for you. And again, if you're not sure where to start, ask somebody that you have uh, either met or that you think would be a good fit for you, where would they go in order to go to network? Because your best clients will attract your other best clients. Now, the third place that I want you to take a look at to get clients, especially if you have a tiny list, uh, very little following, no connections, because that was me building both of these types of businesses. Now, in the online space, I primarily focused on social media largely because I couldn't leave my house and I didn't have a lot of bandwidth to do a lot of things that would be required for both the referrals and the networking. And truth be told, I didn't even know what I was selling at the beginning. So for me, I wanted to just go and see how I could connect to folks, build relationships, see what the need was. And so I really put all chips in with social media for me the place that I started was on Facebook. Now we have since expanded, but if you've heard me talk time and time again, that you really only need to pick one platform to begin with, especially in the early stages. So if you have less than the number of clients that you want right now, if you not, you are not generating consistent five-figure months, then you do not want to be spreading yourself too thin and uh, focusing on multiple platforms, especially at the same time. I want you to focus on one, master it, see what's working, and then take what's working and move it over to another platform. This includes your social media, especially your social media, because you are on there to use it for business purposes. It is very different than using it in order to just uh, be personal. And you still want to incorporate being personal because people buy from people and it's called social media for a reason. But at the same time, you're not supposed to be on there for six to eight hours a day, just hanging out with random and idle chit chat. That is the first and easiest way to get burnt out and to hate what you're doing, no matter if you're an extrovert or an introvert like me. Now, social media is great because, again, depending on which platform you're looking at, it can really help you to identify the characteristics and the demographics and psychographics of your ideal client. It gives you so much data and information about the people that you're communicating with and starting to build those relationships. Now, the number fourth thing, which is really, really um, kind of goes hand in hand with all of these pieces, and it will amplify the results that you're uh, going to be able to see and to focus on is other people's audiences. Now you're going to be able to see that referrals kind of ties into this, right? Because when you tie into a referral, you're tapping into somebody else's audiences. When you're networking, you're going into somebody else's audience. When you're using social media, you can grow your own, but you can also use other people's audiences. So what does this mean specifically in the context of this particular strategy? Well, in this particular strategy, what I want you to think about is how can you borrow or leverage somebody else's audience? So as an example, my good friend, 
Belinda, Belinda Rosenblum, who has been a, one of our wonderful guests here, go back and listen to her episode. We will tag it down below for you in the show notes. But Belinda is a money expert, right? She talks about money mindset. She talks about the uh, cash flow principles that as a uh, cash flow CEO, you want to be on top of in order to manage and grow your money. Now, her audience and my audience are similar, but they're also different and they're very distinct. Belinda has been building her business for, gosh, like 10 years, I think at this point. And so there have been times where we have collaborated and she has brought me in as a guest expert for her programs, both uh, paid as well as for her free uh, summit series and things that I have shared here on the show as well. And as a result, it has exposed me to her audience. This has allowed me to grow my audience and to allow me to tap into some of the people that I might be able to serve that are part of her audience. This is what I mean by other people's audiences. Now you can do this in a number of ways. You can be a guest expert or speaker for a summit or a series, or even for a paid program. You could be a, you could do a swap, right? With uh, promoting each other's free lead magnets. You could be able to, um, speak at their live event or their pre-recorded event by being a, a series or a summit speaker. You could go in and uh, present at a Facebook group for somebody else, right? So there's lots of different ways for you to be able to leverage this, this specific strategy. But what I want you to think about is who has an audience that is similar to yours, that provides a complimentary service that you would be able to add some additional value to, and how can you serve them? How can you serve the host, the leader of that community, as well as the people inside of that community? And then number five is to go where they are. Now, I know that that sounds pretty straightforward, but I'm going to tell you that your people are hidden in plain sight. They are literally all around you and you are just spinning your wheels wondering where they are because either you don't know who they are and if that's the case go back and take a listen through I'm pretty sure we have an episode in um, that will give you a little bit more clarity about who your perfect person is and like how to get clarity around that we'll link that up below in the show notes for you here um, but once you have that clarity it's very easy for you to now go and find them when you go to where they are I want you to think about creating a contest or some sort of a giveaway, give something away. Now you may already have a freebie that works like gangbusters, especially if it is something that is aligned to your paid offer and it directly speaks to a major pain point. Okay. So I know that this is probably a marathon of an episode and I so appreciate you voting for the top 10 through your actions, right? By showing us exactly what topics were near and dear to your heart were important for you that really helped or resonated. And I love that there's a combination of guest experts that I was able to bring onto the show and share with you this year, as well as topics that I was able to just talk about and riff off of from my heart. Stay tuned because next year we're going to continue to share even more high quality content, you know, things that you're, you're asking of me and talking a little bit more about things that go into the entire sales process and the sales journey so that you really can create mastery. And I want to share even more amazing guest experts like the ones that you heard on this top 10 list. Again, from my heart to yours, I can't thank you enough for taking the time for being on this journey, whether you've listened to one episode or whether you've listened to all 52 from this year. Gosh, I can't even believe it's been another year. And I hope that through this holiday season, depending on when you're listening to this specific episode, because we're launching this during the holidays at the end of the year, that you have some time to reflect, some time to appreciate and to look back on your year and see all the amazing stuff that you've been able to do and accomplish and create and shift into. It's a new year of being, it's a new year of doing, and it's a new year of seeing the greatness that's inside of you so that you can continue to be more of you and master the sales game in a way that feels really appropriate and true to who you are and how you want to be. And with that, I just want to thank you. And again, if I can help you in any way, you know, reach out, send me a message over on the Instagrams 
at Susan McVeigh, send me a DM. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear what your key takeaways are. And if you are taking action, I love to reward my action takers and give you a shout out on social media as well. So with that, I hope you have a healthy, safe, and beautiful holiday season. And we will see you all in the new year. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Be sure to let me know what you think by leaving a review so I know how best to serve you. If you're enjoying this show, don't forget to share and hit subscribe so you know when the next show is up. See you next time. Thank you.